I'd like to start things off with a quote from the American social reformer John Dewey. He says, art is not the possession of the few who are recognized writers, painters, musicians. It is the authentic expression of any and all individuality. Those who have the gift of creative expression in an unusually large measure disclose the meaning of the individuality of others to those others. In participating in the work of art, they become artists in their activity. They learn to know and honor individuality in whatever form it appears. The fountains of created activity are discovered and released. The free individuality, which is the source of art, is also the final source of creative development in time. My talk this morning is inspired by one of our UU sources, direct experience of that transcending mystery and wonder affirmed in all cultures, which moves us to renewal of the spirit and a openness to the forces which create and uphold it. What a beautiful concept to consider. This is one of the reasons I consider myself a proud UU. It is a hallmark of a faith rooted in wisdom. Just like the Buddha said, we should experience reality for ourselves and not merely take someone else's word for it. Now, I consider myself an artist. I think that's a role I'm comfortable identifying with at this point in my life. I went to school to learn how to teach art to young people because I love the creative process and I love seeing it awaken in others. I was speaking with my friend and art mentor, Bob Vore, just to, actually, this is from a year ago, or from 10 years ago, but I was actually speaking with him just two days ago, too. Um, and I told him that I think if I had to define my spirituality, it would simply be the creative process. I still feel that way. I think about that a lot. Um, let me give you a little background about Bob, because I think he's an important figure in this, in this talk. I, I met Bob when he was living in Murfreesboro, oh, now it's been, you know, over 10 years ago. He and his wife are in their uh, late 60s now, and Bob was working at the uh, VA at the time. A mutual, a mutual friend introduced Bob to our little group of artists at MTSU, and he fit right in. I later learned that Bob was one of the first Navy SEALs, and he fought in the Vietnam War, uh, it wasn't something that he talked about very much, but occasionally something would remind him of his military years, and he would tell me about some of the, uh, the horrors that he had seen. Um, you see, Bob and I share a curse that a lot of artists have, which is a heightened sensitivity to the world around us. This can cause all sorts of problems, from depression to anxiety to crying when you look into the eyes of a cow. Oh, right. Um, by the way, Bob and his wife are cattle ranchers in Wyoming now. He battles with ethical dilemmas every day as he ranches his 100 head of cattle, more like they were pets. Uh, he'll often just sit in the middle of his pastures and the cows will come up to him and lick him affectionately. I'm not kidding, it really happens. So Bob and I talk a lot about the creative process as we both try to keep active creating new art in whatever medium we happen to be exploring at the moment. I dedicate this talk to him once again. I hope he gets a chance to hear it. Um, he, he has. Um, he, he liked it 10 years ago. Hopefully he'll like it again. Today I'd like <clears throat> to outline what I think is my basic creative process, though it changes and evolves constantly. I'd like to try to link that to the idea of a spiritual practice. So I came up with five basic steps to this creative process. Uh, step one, make time to create. Step two, get some distance from the new creation. Step three, make time to reflect. Step four, come back for revision. And step five, finally claim the work. I'll go ahead and put the disclaimer out there that I am no way the definitive expert on the creative process. 
I don't think one could ever truly exist, so hopefully I'll say something that resonates with you on some level, but feel free to disagree with me, and please let me know what your creative uh, process looks like later on. Uh, okay, so step one, make time to create. Uh, the first and most essential part of the creative process is setting aside time to create. It seems so simple, but as the old adage goes, you are what you do. I learned long, long ago that if I wanted to be an artist of any sort, I had to set aside time to develop that part of myself. I had to make it a priority. Uh, for, the, for me, this means I have to give myself over to long periods of sustained attention. Those of you familiar with meditation will understand what I'm talking about. Giving yourself over to mindfulness. It's that mindfulness that helps me to create art. In that moment, I'm solely invested in whatever task is at hand. This might mean I'm timing my brush strokes with my breath, painting slow in a rhythmic sort of pulse, or maybe I'm lost in an ecstatic fury of motion and revelry. Ooh. The creative state manifests itself in many different ways, which is why it's so fascinating and so damn fun. There is a misconception, I think, around the idea of inspiration in art. While I indeed have had flashes of inspiration, an idea or reaction that seems perfect, full of potential. I find that more often than not, creating a work of art takes place on much more mundane levels. Oftentimes, one simply must set up a space to create and work on art in a very real sense. The work part of the equation doesn't always seem to be as exciting as the initial flash of inspiration, but I find that getting into a habit of intentionally working on art has led to a deeper and more nuanced understanding of the creative process and the process of inspiration. Some folks might find this to be a childlike and selfish, and I, I guess it is in a way. Setting aside time to create is essentially like setting aside time to play. Some folks might regard that as unimportant, but I don't think so. It's the act of play that nurtures the human spirit and makes life worth living, in my opinion. In some ways, artists get a free pass on this issue. We get to act like little kids, can justify it with the uh, I'm working on my art excuse. <laughs> Even if you don't make art, I encourage you to make time for unstructured play in your life. Please, it's relaxing, it's rejuvenating, it nourishes your spirit. Step two, you gotta walk away from the creation. The second step of my creative process is to make a point of walking away from the creation. It takes a certain sensitivity to know when it's time to walk away from something you've been slaving over for a few hours. This is part of the mystery of art making that requires the maker to abandon his or her own work for a moment in order to get some distance and clarity. That distance and clarity, those are important words and ideas that I want to focus on for a moment. When I'm in the throes of creation, I can sometimes get a little overzealous. Maybe I get lost in the sensuousness of the paint a little too much. And before I know it, I've gone overboard and lost that precious aesthetic balance. That's why the act of walking away is just as important as taking time to create in the first place. This gives the mind time to reconsider what has been started. At this point, I usually look at a painting from different angles, maybe even turning it upside down for a fresh perspective. Then I take a break, sometimes for a few hours or even a day or more. And that leads me to the next step. Step three, make time to reflect. Making time to reflect. This, this step requires time away from the act of creation that brought this artwork into being. 
In my own practice, this takes shape as a walk outside, perhaps some sitting meditation, or just mindfully focusing on a task that is not art making, uh, maybe putting the dishes away, mowing the lawn, going for a walk. The point of reflection for me is to allow my mind time to open up and release any sort of tension that I'm holding on to. This also means letting go of any particular notions I might be having about my artwork for a moment. In a strange way, I'm actually letting my mind forget what I was working on for a moment so that when I come back to it, I can do it with a fresh perspective. During the school year, this is easy because I'm forced to work on my own work in short bursts of time throughout the week, interspersed with my responsibilities and schedule as a teacher. Even if I'm not consciously thinking about art, the act of getting into a different frame of mind away from my artwork I'm working on really helps a great deal. I like to think that the work is perhaps marinating in my subconscious for a while. It's soaking up any of the other flavorful elements that might be hanging around in there. Uh, so I'm talking in metaphor here because it's almost impossible to fully articulate what happens in the finer points of the creative process. Um, that's why it's such a fun mystery for me to think about. The best I can do is try to keep it that process alive and healthy. Filmmaker and uh, general weirdo and legend David Lynch put it this way, ideas are like fish. If you wanna catch little fish, you can stay in the shallow water. But if you wanna catch the big fish, you've got to go deeper. Down deep, the fish are more powerful and more pure. They're huge and abstract and they're very beautiful. Thank you, David Lynch. So, this reflective process is certainly important, but it really leads the way for another burst of creative energy, which takes place as the artist comes back to the work for a revision. Yes, this is step four. Come back to the work for a revision. The moment when a work of art can really soar, in my opinion. This was one of the biggest lessons I learned in my studio classes so long ago in college. In some respects, this act of reapproaching the work of art is the hallmark of an artist that has, in some respect, matured. Let me explain that a little more so I don't sound so completely pretentious. Maybe it's too late. Uh, say a young artist is working on a painting. She's really going all out and just feeling that good creative energy flowing. Eventually she gets to a point where she is so enveloped in the process that she exclaims, this is my best painting ever. A true masterpiece. It is finished. You see at that point, she's still in the throes of her initial creative flow, and that is actually coloring her experience a little, like seeing the world through rose-tinted glasses. And that's totally fine, and it's great to just revel in that and enjoy it. But, but the painting may still be in its pupae stage, just beginning to emerge. There might be hidden layers that can still be finessed out of the ether, or maybe just a little touch-up or two. The problem is the artist will never know that unless she comes back to the piece for a revision. So much for not sounding pretentious. It can sometimes be a painful process to go through. You come back to the unspeakable masterpiece of last night only to find flaws. Oh no, I can't trust my aesthetic senses. I'm no good, I'm an amateur. I shouldn't even bother with art. Who am I kidding? Oh yes, that kind of destructive self-talk can come in so easily, but it's just a signpost along the way to show that you are progressing. Check out this quote from Ira Glass. No introduction needed, surely, for my UU friends. 
It still landed good. <laughs> Ira is basically a saint around here, I'm sure. Nobody tells this to pe he says, Ira class, nobody tells this to people who are beginners. I wish someone told me, all of us who do creative work, we get into it because we have good taste, but there is this gap. For the first couple of years, you make stuff. It's just not that good. It's trying to be good. It has potential, but it's not. But your taste, the thing that got you into the game, is still killer. And your taste is why the work disappoints you. A lot of people will never get past this phase. They quit. Most people I know who do interesting creative work went through years of this. We know our work doesn't have this special thing that we want it to have. We all go through this, and if you are just starting out, or if you are still in this phase, you gotta know it's normal. And the most important thing you can do is do a lot of work. Put yourself on a deadline so that every week you will finish one story. It is only by going through a volume of work that you will close that gap and your work will be as good as your ambitions. And I took longer to figure that out, uh, figure out how to do this than anyone I've ever met. It's gonna take a while, it's normal to take a while. You just gotta fight your way through it. Oh, I love that quote. I put it over the sink in my classroom and hope that someone would take a minute to read it as they are cleaning up their brushes. Uh, who knows if it sank in, but it always gives me hope. So after coming back to the work and revising it, either a little or a lot, then you get to this last step. But even if the work gets scrapped in the end, it's important to notice the process that you went through and take it as a growing experience. Easier said than done, I know, but it's worth trying to keep in mind so you don't drive yourself completely bonkers looking at the pile of garbage you might be accumulating. Anyway, the last step of the creative process for me personally is to, step five, claim the work and let go. This might seem like an easier step, but it actually can take quite an emotional toll on the artist. Let me relate it a little to my own art school experience. It's been almost 20 years now. <laughs> uh, in upper division studio classes, you're required to submit work for critique a few times every semester. Some of you are familiar with this. Um, everybody in the class, along with the professor, gathers around your work and talks about it, or just stares blankly at it, or rips it to shreds verbally, whatever. It feels like a roll of the dice in some ways. Is the professor pissed off today? Did your fellow classmates get any sleep last night? Do they even give enough of, wow, I was really into swearing back then. Do they even give enough of a care to bother commenting on your artwork that you spent a great deal of energy on? Were you able to coerce any of your friends to say something nice? <laughs> it's true. All of these factors, all of these factor into the college level critiques process, which can sometimes be enlightening, but often feels like standing in front of a firing range. I've seen students reduced to tears on multiple occasions, but really, it's an overall good experience and great practice of claiming your artwork. Any kind of baloney is usually called out pretty quickly, and I learned that I had to be completely honest with myself when I was making my work so I could at least back it up myself. That honesty started to come through occasionally, and thankfully, I was able to get a few critiques in to boost my fragile little artist ego. I had friends that were obsessed with this process, though. It almost seems like they didn't actually enjoy anything. So I'd caution against taking the whole critique thing a little too far. Still, the act of claiming your work means you've gone through some hard times together, you and your artwork. 
It means being able to talk about your work from a place of ownership, maybe even without fully knowing the meaning behind it. Again, it's a hard thing to define clearly and articulate. It's almost as if the work is more fully a part of you while simultaneously being able to stand on its own. I feel like writers probably have the best sense of this. When a story or a poem or a script is done, it has a life of its own. Those characters have a life of their own. They go on to exist in the mind of the reader in ways that the author never imagined. Yet the essential element of the work still reflects the heart of the artist. Okay, so that's my basic recipe for the creative process. Again, you gotta make time to create, gotta get some distance from the new creation, you gotta make time to reflect, come back for revision, and then you claim the work. As I stated earlier, I think I could define my spirituality as simply the creative process. And what I mean by that is that the creative process is something that brings me closer to understanding some sort of purpose in my own life. It gets me in touch with something inside myself I don't fully comprehend, that creative spark that all human beings have. When I work on art, I feel like I'm doing some sort of spiritual work. Uh, the closest thing I can relate it to is some kind of shamanism. Uh, those of you familiar with the shamanic cultures know that a shaman serves his or her people by communing with the spirit world through altered states of consciousness. The shaman brings a sense of communion with the divine to others who might not experience it directly. Sometimes a shaman forces a community to re-examine itself, often in uncomfortable ways, or to look at a problem differently. I think artists serve a similar role in our modern society. An artist who honestly engages with their creations must work on understanding the creative process that guides them. Artists work on finding ways to express the inexpressible, explain the unexplainable, and to F the ineffable. Okay. <laughs> We've got to pause a little bit. Uh, just stealing a little humor from Douglas Adams there. We do this without necessarily thinking about the implications that art has for the whole of society. But without the artist, our society would be missing a crucial guidepost. I say this not to puff myself up or to make what I do seem more important than it is, but instead to illustrate the spiritual significance of art making. It does have an impact on the outside world. Of hope, I hope you've been able to glean something from my words this morning. Uh, I fully believe that art making has the power to transform people, and I try to be an advocate for contemporary art whenever I can. If nothing else, I hope I've reminded you of one of our very important sources, the direct experience of that transcending mystery and wonder affirmed in all cultures, which moves us to a renewal of the spirit and an openness to the unknown.